When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Hello, everyone. Uh, We're going to take things in a little bit different direction today because as the title of this episode implies, we're going to talk about levels of due diligence. And then about... 2010 or 2011, I met Candace Tao, and she explained to me what the levels of due diligence were. And I thought, you know, 10 years later, it'd be great to have her come back and explain yet again the levels of due diligence, because I've used her wisdom in all of the versions of my handbook. So Candace, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome back. Thanks so much, Tom. Great to be here. Candace, you've been in uh, the investigative field for a long, long time. I won't say how long, but a long time. And you have done numerous investigations. You have done investigations all over the world. And we're here to focus on the levels of due diligence in FCPA background investigations. I know you've talked about this. I've heard you talk about it uh, for quite some time. So what? how do you view the levels of due diligence uh, compliance function or a company should go through when investigating a third party, potential joint venture partner, or perhaps even a senior executive? Sure, that's um, a great question and several topics to cover. Um, so I'll do my best to cover all of them. Uh, so due diligence typically is sorted out into three general levels or tiers. Um, the, they mean the same thing. So it's just the approach that we take, particularly as investigators, to, um, to take a look at companies and businesses and how they transact business globally reputational issues and whether or not they are who they say they are even to begin with. And so we typically look at level one being a low risk situation. You know that it's a low risk situation. The deal is maybe a smaller deal in size and it's in perhaps a lower risk country or region of the world. Um, Or your concerns or the company's concerns are just not that significant about whether a risk exists. So that would comprise the level one uh, due diligence. And that typically looks at things like um, just basic credentialing of the person's identifiers or the business's identifiers, because as you know, as you know, Tom, people often go by different names, companies transact businesses and their business under several different names in many cases. And the, the company name or business uh, person's name that we get originally isn't necessarily the one that they need investigated. So that's uh, an important topic to mention. So we find that out in the level one check. We find out some beneficial ownership information and some basic information on, is that person or business um, involved in um, being named um, on one of the global watch lists? So there's about 1500 global watch lists today. There's a core 400 or so lists 
different countries call them different things. And so we end up with about 1500 lists. And so those include things like um, OFAC, uh, or Office of Foreign Assets Control, PEP, Politically Exposed Persons lists, uh, especially designated nationals and on and on and on. Um, so those are the core watch lists. And that's what most banks and financial institutions use to track things like anti-money laundering or know your customer type uh, basic information. But it only tells us what has the person already been identified for. It does not tell you anything about current um, crimes that might be uh, ongoing or uh, corruption type issues. It doesn't tell us anything else about the individual that you'd want to know in order to minimize or mitigate risk. And so then we move into level two. Um, that includes the global watch list plus things like an adverse media search. An adverse media search allows us to look for common uh, words that relate to crime or corruption. And adverse media searches are useful to have because you do get about 5% of the information that may exist out there. Um, however, it is not a substantial um, portion of the information you might want to know about if it's a bigger deal or if it's a riskier territory that's involved. And so um, we do like to look at that information as well as foreign language searches in the adverse media domain. And you'll, you'll know it because companies say, you know, we're looking at 20 million or 50, 40, 50 million um, news, news articles, journalist type uh, articles, um, foreign media information. And it's good basic information, but it doesn't really give you what you need to know if there are more serious risks involved or reputational things that you should know about. And then we go to level three, which does include all public records that exist either here in the US, for example, we have about 25, 30 public records, publicly and legally available, anybody can check them. Um, but you have to know how to check those sources. And then in addition to that, we take a look at deep, dark and historical web searches or open source intelligence. And that's extremely important information. That's where we find 20% 20, 20 of executives have serious issues and 35% of businesses have corruption related issues. So very important. Candice, what would you say are three key takeaways for this topic? So the three key takeaways are um, know who you're doing business with. <laughs> Do, the, do your due diligence. Don't skimp out by doing the basic due diligence that you think is sufficient. If you see red flags, please make sure that you do pursue what those red flags are. Take it, notch it up to the next level of due diligence. And then I would say, um, if you're not doing deep dive due diligence, you're not finding reputational issues. You just can't find reputational issues on database searches. It's very rare to find that. So I would recommend that you consider, particularly if the deal is in high risk area, or if it's a key executive that you're hiring, someone that's gonna have operational responsibilities, let's say exceeding $5 million a year, which is most executives today, um, that you do do the level three due diligence so that you can determine whether or not you have a risk 
involved in hiring that person to begin with, or if you're actually planning to do business with a business entity, uh, let's say it's a merger or acquisition, that you're considering the true reputational issues of that company. Candice, I wanted to thank you for uh, explaining the levels of due diligence on this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. You're very welcome, Tom. If I could ask you to do, would you pass on to at least one person this podcast series on the nuts and bolts of compliance as I'm trying to expand my audience base for 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program? I hope you'll join me again tomorrow where I take up another topic. Thanks again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.